Welcome to Mentors and Mavens, Up Close and Personal. I'm your host, Jane Ulrich. Each week, we will bring you amazing guests who have great stories, whether it be in life or business. Real, authentic conversations bringing value through mentoring, making connections, ideas for collaborations, full of inspiration, and taking life to the next level. I'm looking forward to you joining us. I'm excited to share this next guest with you. Nadja Piatka has appeared as a guest on the Oprah Winfrey Show and other international media. Oprah highlighted Nadja's life about losing everything and coming back to create a successful food company with only a $100 investment and becoming a supplier to McDonald's, Subway, and retail grocers in North America. After 20 years of marriage, Nadja found herself in an unemployable single mom raising two children. During one low point, while her 13-year-old daughter was home from school for lunch, a bill collector came pounding at the door and peering in the windows. Nadja forced her daughter to hide with her under a table from the bill collector. That humiliation prompted her to gain the strength to move forward and write down her goals, the majority of which she accomplished within one year. Nadja Piatka made a dream come true. Armed with only an idea and a $100 investment, she became an international supplier to the food industry. As an unemployed single mother, she has an amazing story of taking a company out of her kitchen and creating a successful food company. Since no one would hire her, she decided that she would hire herself. Nadja believed the world needed better tasting, healthy food, so she began experimenting with recipes in her kitchen and testing them on her children. She started her business by waking up in the early hours to bake and delivering her baked goods in her car to local coffee shops. When her customer base grew, she outsourced her production and within a year became a supplier to McDonald's Canada. The healthy cranberry orange muffin she created in her kitchen is still on McDonald's menu 25 years later. This success in the food industry grew her company to manufacture in the U.S., and Canada and became a supplier to Subway and other large restaurant chains and retailers in the U.S. and Canada. Today, she is a CEO of Holista Foods USA, a company that is dedicated to changing people's lives through better-for-you foods. Holista Foods' mission is to support the global fight against diabetes and obesity by delivering healthy, delicious food. As a leader of the Good Carb Revolution, Holista Foods is promoting a consumer shift to consider the blood sugar impact as well as nutritional content when selecting a food. Scientific evidence proves that managing blood sugar through food is key to managing weight, sustaining energy, and living vitally. Nadja and her team have developed the first line of clinically validated low glycemic pasta noodles, which are sold globally and to major grocery retailers such as Wegmans and Sprouts, in North America. She is a best-selling author and is the recipient of numerous achievement awards in Canada and the U.S. Along with her daughter, she created an annual event to empower women and have sponsored 32 women survivors of war throughout the world. Nadja will share her amazing professional and personal story of building her business, surviving leukemia, setting goals, and helping others achieve their goals. I hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, Nadja. How are you? I'm great. How are you? 
Good. Thank you. So excited to do this podcast with you. It's uh, ever since hearing your story before, I just said, oh, so many women need to hear, hear your story. And uh, I first heard you at our Women's Business Network in Peterborough, our 50th anniversary. I don't know if you remember that. That was, mm, that's quite a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. And then a week later after that anniversary, I met you again. We, we were both late for Ann Day's Company of Women Journey to Success Conference in Oakville. And we were, we chatted. I just, oh my gosh, I just listened to you a week ago and then we got chatting. I know, that was perfect. Yeah. And then I came to your Ultimate Girls Getaway at Montebello in Quebec, that which was the most amazing weekend and still have connections from that weekend. And then I arranged for you to come to speak at a networking event in Toronto. Yeah. And we got stuck in that snowstorm. I know. And we had fun because we literally were in a, we, the hotel, everything was shut down. No one could go anywhere. And we made the best of it. We had fun. <laughs> we the underground part of the underground shopping. Yeah. Was- dinner. Yeah. It was the best. It was the best. You're you're a good person to be snowed in with. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Well, we did have fun and I still can't get over that snowstorm. It was, we were, I remember sitting in one of the restaurant and just watching the snow just pile up and pile up, but that was fun. Two, three days we were. We were, yes. It was two days for sure. Yeah, it was three days because we were there two nights. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, that was Crazy times. Good memories. Great memories. So are you ready to get going with this? I am. Up close and personal. So Nadja, where did you grow up? I grew up, um, I was born in Sudbury, Ontario, and I grew up in St. Catharines, Ontario, and Toronto. When I was 16, I moved to Toronto. We had a restaurant there, and um, before that, we had a grocery store in St. Catharines. So yeah, so I've been, I'm an Ontario girl. Very good. And where do you live now? Now I live in Buffalo, New York. I was doing a trade mission for the Canadian government and uh, on cross-border trading um, about over 20 years ago and um, met my soulmate, my husband, on this trade mission in Buffalo. Um, We met at the Albright Knox Art Gallery because that's where the cocktail event was. And um, I ended up moving to, to Buffalo and uh, turned out to be great because you know, over on the border, I do so much business in Canada. I do my manufacturing in Canada, um, but I do a lot of my um, customers are in the U.S. now. So it worked out really well. So I'm a dual citizen. Very good. And I have to mention how well you did with you. Your little video went viral during the pandemic. Yes, I know. It was that a flying. Uh, on uh, barstool.com was over three and a half million views. So I guess wow. it's viral. Yeah. yeah. So that was the video where your husband, where you and your husband put music on in the streets and you're on your street and got everybody up dancing, social distance, of course. Yes. And yes. It was, a, it was just one of those things where, like turning, you know, lemons into lemonade. My husband um, owns an audiovisual company and uh, on March, middle of March, when COVID hit and everyone canceled, of course, they do, you know, um, 
audiovisual, you know, big screens, music, um, microphones, everything for big conferences, conventions, meetings. And in three days, he lost all of his business that he had on his calendar. Has, of course, meetings were canceled, no one was going anywhere. And uh, well, luckily, um, he has another part of his business that, that uh, makes school um, uh, supplies, I mean, school um, virtual uh, carts for learning. So um, that totally slowed down, but um, the audiovisual part totally shut off. And so he came home and he said, it was so funny. He said, I don't want to answer the phone anymore because every time people were calling, it was to cancel. And so he came home, he said, you know, I've got this warehouse of all this, you know, these speakers and and uh, sound system. And he said, you know, maybe I'll just bring it home, bring some of it home, couldn't bring all of it home, bring some of it home, put it on the front balcony. And we have so many people on our street that are now sequestered with COVID, you know, they're isolated. Um, and this was at the beginning when people were literally, you know, not even leaving their homes, right? Right. And, you know, every day, I'm, you know, 5.30, I'm going to put the music on so the people can come out, you know, on the sidewalk, wave to each other, maybe do a little dance so we kind of check that everyone's okay. Some people live by themselves. And he said, I'll just do that and, you know, kind of maybe bring a little happiness to the street because everything, it, this is, you know, such a downer <laughs> with this COVID. And um, more and more people started coming and then people started driving by and uh, taking, you know, videos. And next thing, I mean, it was crazy. We were on, you know, the world news, you know, ABC in uh, the States, on Good Morning America, on today's show, even in England, we're on the new in the newspaper, in Malaysia, like it was, everybody was looking, even, um, you know, uh, Trevor Noah, you know, he, you know, he, yes, yeah, had on his, it was almost, Jane, like people were saying, we're looking for a little smile, we're looking for a little, you know, joys in this time, and that was very joyful because people were dancing and happy and um, it was really sweet to see. So, yeah, so that's how all of a sudden <laughs> we're everywhere. And, uh, you know, not that we're great dancers, but we can play good music. <laughs> sure can. And I remember yeah. scrolling through Instagram and I saw something about, it wasn't even on your feed. It was on someone else's feed. I think it was Barstool. And yes. I, I was scrolling and I thought, it said Buffalo. And then I said, Oh, I know somebody in Buffalo. <laughs> I zoomed it in and I said, Oh my God, I think that's Nadja. Yeah. And sure enough. And I said, Oh my heavens, this is going viral. So that was, that was just so amazing and brought joy to so many people. So that was. And awesome. I think, you know, and that just a, a real, you know, example of even in the toughest of situations, you can always find a little ray of sunshine, you know, if you look for it. Um, because, you know, Lord knows there's enough negative things to see and that can overpower. But if you can just see, you know, a little bit of joy and sunshine and it just, people gravitate towards that. They hold on to it. They say, oh, I needed this, you know, and I think we have to hold each other up during tough times. Yes, well, for sure. And we're still in tough times. And Yes, yes, we are but we're going to get through this. Yes. Oh, we are. You know, my mother always says there's a beginning and a middle and end to everything. And this mm -hmm. is an end to this. And we just have to like power through it and, and we will. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, we've, we've gone through some crazy stuff, so this will definitely be one of them for sure. I know. What is your favorite quote or mantra? Oh my goodness. I am the mantra queen. I have so many favorite. I've got a quote for every day. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, basic ones. I mean, lately, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and all this. I mean, that we've heard by, you know, and you know, that a lot of great crazy quotes people made up, but the quote that actually I have a favorite one that I made up and I do refer it to it and I do rely on it, especially when I have like so many worries or so many things going on. And that quote is, um, you can't cook and worry at the same time. Mm. And I've really found Jane is when, you know, you get into the kitchen and you're focusing on a recipe, you need to be in the moment and you need you block out all the other stuff that's going on because you're in that moment with that food and ingredients and putting it together and it's really beautiful and you know and it's gonna something you can share and enjoy and you know you can't cook and worry at the same time and that's my meditation and that's my favorite quote because it works that is really good i think that's one that a lot of people like why they like to cook because that's their outlet and I know that's my, my husband loves to cook and he says that is a stress release for him. Yeah. yeah. You and are, I'm like, you are, you are present in while yeah. you're doing that. And, um, and what if, to me, I think that's, you know, and I wish I was one of those persons that people that could meditate. I tried, you know, putting the, putting the veil on my head and chanting, but my mind starts thinking about so many different things. Oh, I can't meditate. But, when I cook, I meditate. Mm, yeah, that's great. So most people have a bucket list, and what's on the top of your list if you if you have one? And what's one thing that was on your list that you don't feel like you need to accomplish and went to your chuck it list? Yeah, um, I, I think that's a really great question. Well, my bucket list, and uh, it's and it is on the top of it, and it's what I'm working on now, and you know we are just there is to make white bread healthy. Mm. Everyone loves Wonder Bread, how good it is to bean butter and like, oh, white bread, we love white bread. And I know we're supposed to eat whole grain and that's a good thing, but a lot of it does not taste as good as white bread. So we are, we have just did a huge big breakthrough where white bread is healthy. And uh, that to me is, is the top of my bucket list. And I'm so excited about it. And my chuck it list is, um, I know now I will never be good at tennis and golf. So that is off my list. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Something I can do. I know a lot of people do it. I do it, you know, I've tried. I know for golf, I, I, I went out with actually a golf pro and I shot 74. And I said, yes, and I said to him, what do we do now? And he said, we go to the second hole. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a sign, don't you? A little yes, I was like, okay, you shot 74. That's really, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. I said, you mean there's like another 17 holes? Who has time for this? <laughs> I have to tell that to my son. He's a golf pro. There you go. Okay. No, I will. You'll get a chuckle out of that one. That's good. Oh, that's off. That's off my list forever. <laughs> oh, that's really good. 
<laughs> and I will be your number one customer for the white bread that you come up with that. That's bread is my absolute weakness. So, well, you know, that, you know, that saying, you can't, you know, like people love bread. Uh, you say you can't live by bread alone. Yes, you can. You can live by bread alone. I can put the butter on it. I'm good. Um, but the problem with white bread, flat, I mean, you know, whole grain bread, that's a good thing and spelt bread and sprouted bread. And I mean, those are good things, but you know, that, you know, that white bread is just, just so tasty. Um, and it's so nice toasted and grilled and grilled cheese. And, um, and the problem is white bread and being made with white flour, uh, whether it's pasta or bread or muffins or pastries, is it spikes your blood sugar. Mm -hmm. So quickly, as soon as you eat white, anything with white flour, it turns to sugar. Spikes your blood sugar, it leads to insulin resistance, it leads to weight gain. That's why, you know, white flour is a bad card because it's mm -hmm. stored in your fat cells. Um, and so, uh, so we have created uh, a white bread that does not spike your blood sugar, that's slowly digested, um, does not lead to weight gain, um, but it tastes and looks and feels like the good fluffy white bread. So, that is so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Seven years of research. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so I know that your pasta tastes amazing. So this will be as well because you do. Thank you. Well, it's all in the taste. I've learned in my 25 years of developing healthy products, if it doesn't taste good, people will buy it once, but they're not going to buy it again because food is to be enjoyed. And just because it's healthy doesn't mean that's what you're going to eat because you want to love your food. And, and that's why with our pasta or, you know, spaghetti linguine, uh, it doesn't spike, again, doesn't spike the blood sugar, but it's white and it's like traditional pasta. Uh, so, you know, so, you know, that's, I think a real, you know, I think all food companies, you know, if they can focus on taking what they do and trying to make it healthy, um, they will be doing huge service for people. But sometimes it's, you know, bottom line, just don't get it out there. doesn't matter what's in it, just as long as people are buying it, that's fine. And, and that's not okay. As far as I'm concerned, that's not okay because supplying food is a is you know a privilege and it's a responsibility. And if you're supplying food on a large scale, it is a responsibility because people depend on this to nourish them and sustain them and help them with immunity and help their body deal with all kinds of diseases or viruses or what have you. You need a strong body to deal with all this thing that's hit on you. And nutrition is the biggest medicine you'll ever take. Food is the biggest medicine you're ever going to take. You know so. Not agree with you more. Yeah, yeah. important stuff. Very important stuff, and and I think I, I would love to come back and do a whole other podcast on that, just on nutrition and everything. That is just amazing what you're doing. And yes. so, if you could travel anywhere for a wellness retreat, where would that be? You know, I. Uh, would love, uh, I think of Vancouver and um, the islands off of uh, Victoria are one of the loveliest places to be. And I think, and it's, you know, again, I have this love of Canada. Um, and I think that's where, where um, I think would be an amazing retreat to do. Mm, I love Vancouver. And that's been a popular one that has come up. So we have to do something about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they have beautiful Fairmonts there. And all kinds. Oh, they do. They do. 
Yeah, absolutely. What is the funniest thing that's ever happened to you? Uh, well, the funniest thing that's ever happened to me is, and I, uh, I didn't talk about it because it was, but it's, you know, you know, the, the, the situation and, you know, about you're speaking to an audience and your microphone um, is on and before you go on stage, you don't know your mic and you go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's exactly what happened to me. It was in Edmonton, Alberta. Like, you know, it's one of those, you know, you think, oh, how could this ever happen to anybody? It's so easy for it to happen. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, it's funny, I was just, I just written my first book, The Joy of Losing Weight, and I was speaking to the doctors and nurses in their kind of auditorium uh, at the hospital in Edmonton, Alberta, and it was a lunchtime talk, so it was just before noon, and the technician had put my uh, wireless mic on with a little a button on the back, uh, a little green light that says when it's on, and he turned it on. I didn't know it was on, but I couldn't see the green light was on, and um, but I didn't think he thought I was going to leave, you know, and so I'm standing there, and the people, you know, everyone's kind of filtering the room, and it was like, you know, quite a few hundred people, a couple hundred people, I would say, uh, a huge kind of a wraparound um, teaching um, auditorium. And um, I thought, you know, there's a door right behind me. There's a bathroom just down the hall. And I just go in the bathroom and then come out because instead of just standing here, like watching everybody sit down, right? And so I go in the bathroom and um, luckily the toilet was out of order. So thank goodness for small mercy. So that didn't happen, but I did uh, wash my hands. And um, I turned the taps on, and in the auditorium, in in the speak in like stereo speakers, there was like water trick, trickling, 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 trickling. <laughs> <laughs> and and from what when I came out from where I stand, they told me they said, "She's in the bathroom. What's that noise? She's in the bathroom." <laughs> Someone's going, "Maybe we should. Someone should go in and tell her." Well, of course, you know, I was thinking, "Are you kidding? This is like the price. This is worth the price of admission. Let me just sit here and listen." And so. I'm in the bathroom and I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'll check my voice, you know, I'll sing a little song, just kind of hear my voice before I start talking, you know, so I, when I speak in the microphone, I'm, I'm prepared. So I, I, I do Tina Turner, What's Love Got to Do With Bathroom, they can hear me, they can hear me in the auditorium. So when, by the time I came out, it was like, I thought, why are they looking at me so funny? Like, you know, people's expressions are going, and they're like, going, that's too funny. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. Right. That is, that is priceless. We're all human. So what is your, you have to, you have to laugh at yourself and not take yourself too seriously. Oh, that, that is so true. I'm all about having fun and, and not taking myself seriously. And for a while there, I was taking myself too seriously. Oh, that's just not me anymore. So it's not a good thing. Yeah. Doesn't, not a good thing. Not healthy. Yeah. No, absolutely. You're right. And laughter is the best thing. If you can. And I know some people who just, you know, they need to crack a smile. <laughs> so true. That's, I think that's one thing through this pandemic is my husband and I, it's been comedy central at our house. Um, yeah. And you just make yourself laugh and he's been kind of silly. I've been silly and we just laugh. And even driving out here to Banff has been, it, we laughed. It was just, it, no, so, yeah, it's, 
So you get it. <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. So good. What is your favorite charity and how important is it to you in giving back to your community or cause? Yeah. Well, you know that uh, the event I was doing for many years, our Ultimate Girls Getaway, that is on pause right now and uh, um, future plans still to be determined. Uh, but I, uh, through that event, and I did it with my daughter, Veronica, um, and we, you know, dedicated our time to do this weekend. And uh, through the funds, we were able to sponsor 32 women survivors of war. Um, and it's uh, and so womenforwomen.org is the is organization. And so if, when you sponsor a woman, you sponsor her for an entire year, and she gets her. Uh, and these are women in war that have been raped, left for dead. Um, you know, you know, women in war uh, do not. Women in a lot of these countries don't have any rights, anyways, to speak of. During war, they have even less. You know, and um, totally very abused. Um, many die. Um, many escape and they you know, escape after incredible atrocities. So uh, this organization takes these women and they, they help them with their medical care, um, their food, accommodations, and also help teach them for an entire year on how to you know, um, you know, do uh, work, you know, maybe start a little business just to support their families and children. A lot of them don't have husbands. Many do, uh, but they're all in need of um, financial care. So it teaches them how to, you know, whether it's basket weaving or, you know, selling juices on the street, but they can start to make some money to sustain themselves. So we were able to do 32 women. I kind of call that a small village. Um, mm. It was important to me. And I'd like to um, continue to do, you know, to do things like that, because I think it's really important that we, that we give back you know, the old saying is much is expect much as is expected of those who have been given much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, we need to, to look about caring for people. I can't agree. I can't agree any more than that. That's just uh, amazing what you have done over the years for those women. And, and hopefully, you know, we, as women, we can still support that. And, yeah. and I think, you know, it is a global community of women because, you know, I think women, in, you know, if they can become strong leaders, um, it helps the world globally. Um, and we're all, you know, it's, it is a small world. Uh, so we need to reach out to each other uh, in that way and not isolate each other, you know, within where we are, cocoon ourselves, because there is a, a, a big problem to be dealt with and we have to deal with it together and identify and recognize each other and our diversities and our differences. And, how differently we look and how differently we dress and how different our different how differently we eat we have to embrace that together not make those as barriers to um communicating mm -hmm. i agree Nadja, what is your magic dust as in something you shine in and spread to others um well i like to say it's my enthusiasm <laughs> oh yes uh, i'd like to say that and then also um you know my love of cooking uh, because I love to um, I love to do that and I love to share it and I love to share ideas and recipes um, um, and just you know so to me that's you know that's what I that's what I, I love to do um, and as you know I don't do other things well <laughs> like golf or tennis <laughs> but cooking I just say not too bad. <laughs> 
What is the one resource that is helpful for you and that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think uh, uh, what a really important resource for people is their relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, we go through, as we travel through uh, our life, we meet up with, I call them fellow travelers, and they're people we meet along the way, uh, and we do things together, and then we will part along the way somewhere. Um, and those, you know, and those, you know, when you have ideas or you want to start a business or you want to start a women's event weekend or you want to do anything um, or podcast, you, you know, these are your resources are the people you, you, you know, your relationships and you, and those I think are really valuable because without them, it's very hard to, to spread out your goals or your vision. That's nice. Relationship building is so important to build for anything, whether it's in your personal or professional life, if you have that quality that you can build those relationships, it will take you so far. Mm-hmm. So, and you definitely do build relationships because obviously we have built one. So, yeah, and you're like one of my fellow travelers because you join, you do something together, um, and uh, it's part of that journey. You know, mm-hmm. fellow travelers thing is very, very interesting. Um, I remember reading about it years ago, and I said, you know what, that makes sense, and it was. It was saying, well, how come when you, you know, you'll come somewhere and there'll be like hundreds of people in the room, of course, this is pre-COVID, <laughs> yeah. or you'll go to a big convention or a conference or a big meeting, and there's so many people there, and there'll be one or two or three or four, maybe just one person that you connect with and you follow up with, and you end up doing something with them. Uh, you can't physically do something with every single person you bump into, you know? But there's people that you do and there's that, you know, like you and I had, there's a connection and uh, we spend time together and we do things together and with that things happen. Uh, So I, you know, I see that, you know, as fellow travelers. Now this one, one, this next question, I'm not sure how you're going to top this because you've already met Oprah. So that would be my number one person, but there is one person you really want to connect or collaborate with. Who would that be? You know, um, and you're right. I mean, and um, still Oprah is the top of my list um, because I did meet her and she did change my life. um, And uh, through her, many doors opened. And I think, um, you know, she's a person who collaborates with good, you know, with good messages and good intentions. So, you know, um, you know, that there's, there's, you know, there, it, it brings value to people's lives, you know, what, mm-hmm. what in collaboration that could happen with her. Um, so she's definitely, you know, being a woman, you know, I love that. I mean, there's, there's, and then other people that I think is really important um, uh, is, you know, just, uh, well, there's, there's, there's so many, because when, you, when I thought that question, I thought there's so many really great people that I would love to have the privilege of collaborating with. Um, but she would still be on top of my list. So we just have to put it out there to the universe once again. Once again, yes. And yeah. maybe that will happen. Because yeah. she is yeah. the ultimate collaborator and inspiration and she's just but of goodness. Of a goodness. goodness. Yeah. Yeah. She's just so full of goodness and I 
we're so grateful to have her in this world that she's doing so much great greatness. Yeah. And again, I, I really believe that was her purpose. And that's what you do. You, you, mm-hmm. you and you act on it. I agree. So I have a question. The next question here is, is like, what's the biggest problem you see in the world and what would that solution be? But I want to ask you this. So we're in challenging times right now. And I want to ask you this. So employers that are trying to get back to work and they have, they don't probably have all the means to bring everybody back, but yet they still have the same amount of work to do. How, what would you suggest to employers, employees that are trying to do more work with less people, but yet not burn them out? Well, and that is such a multi-layered question uh, because as you know, here in the U.S., the employment situation during COVID probably is a little bit different than Canada. Um, we have a situation right now where um, um, a lot of employees now are making more on unemployment than they were mm-hmm. job. So, so it's even difficult to ask them or expect them to come back to work for less when they're going to make more staying at home. So, um, but you know, people do want to work, um, and uh, but there's ways of. I think it's all individual things. I think the employer has to look at the situation, uh, what benefits their employees are having or enjoying right now, and will coming back. You know, how how is that compensated for? You know, which is something I think has to be dealt with uh, individually, and depending on how you know, there's people who've been a long time in a job and they love that job, but they also are seeing, well, I can make more money if I'm not working, and that I think is a problem that needs to be addressed. You know, I agree. Uh, yeah, and I think people who do come back uh, right now, I uh, the businesses that I see out there, um, no one is killing it as far as you know. Um, busier than ever unless it's a particular uh, you know type of business but if you're in the restaurant business and like grocery stores they're very very busy, you know so they need the essential workers but um you know other types of businesses um, are you know are now slower than ever uh, so so you have to look at what you know the individual business how is it uh how is it uh, functioning right now and i think you have to um uh, get you know you need employees in there to help you have to make sure that they are not overworked. Uh, but I'm seeing very many situations where the owner of the company is working like double time to make that up because they know that, um, you know, they, they can't expect their employees to work double time. So they're working double time. And, you know, so it's a very individual thing. I don't think it's a blanket. It's a one blanket um, answer to, uh, to the situation. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, you're right. It is more individual, but I am seeing some, people that are having some they can't the employers can't afford to bring everybody back but that they they're, they're whatever that industry may be that they're, they're trying to they still there's still work to do but there's less people to do that work so it's just trying to get that balance and it's it will work itself out i think as everything does it's just nobody wrote the playbook on this pandemic there's, there's no reference point, you know, about when I, when I think of, you know, what's a, a what is a, a bigger problem right now, because uh, uh, it kind of tailgates onto people working and having jobs to do. I think the biggest problem is, here, well, for example, here in the U.S., 
80% of um, all the consumables are imported from China. Mm. So, and 99% of our pharmaceuticals are made in China. So we have become, we've really made China wealthy uh, because we're just buying and buying and buying from them. And I think it's important that we start to um, make a lot, make our own products um, here or in the US or in Canada or wherever you can do it. Because I think, I think China is a very big problem. I have been there. I was in Shanghai a few years ago. Um, you know, there's, there's incredible control of, of people and um, they are uh, a, you know, an incredibly powerful, smart country. And I think we have to look at how do we manage them so then we can manage our own backyard because we really need to manage what's happening in that, in that relationship. And, and it is scary. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lots to, lots to consider that's going forward of how we're going to deal with all of that in, in China. Well, I, I really feel if we are not careful um, um, in things, you know, are as far as te technology uh, and who is controlling that in the world, and uh, the population, I really think that there uh, is a danger of Canada and the US becoming a colony of China if we do not stop what is happening. I really do. That is totally uh, a possibility. And if there's any country that's gonna do it, they will do it. Mm -hmm. In the Bible about China, back, I mean, how, how, many years, how long ago was the Bible written? As far as China, it said, let sleeping dogs lie. Mm. So it is, it, it is something that needs to be dealt with, you know, because you cannot be depending on one country for most of your imports. Mm. I agree. Yeah, we need to do more here in our own country. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that, that'll be something I'm sure is going to be more and the, more in the, in the future. So they'll get that sorted out. Huge responsibility there. Mm. So... Naja, you're more of a mentor. I look at you being more of a mentor, but who has been your mentor or a coach that you've had in your, in your life? Well, I've had, I've had some wonderful mentors and I've also um, continued to uh, try to mentor, but also get um, guidance from people. And one of my best mentors, I have to say, is my husband. You know, he was, he's, he doesn't work in my business, so he kind of can have a bird's eye opinion or a, more of an objective. Uh, so I do go to him for problems. And then also um, I've had for many, many years now with COVID, we're not doing it, but we had a, a woman's group actually started in Calgary, Alberta. It was called Equinox and mm -hmm. it was a group of 12 business women. And uh, the idea was they didn't have the same They didn't have the same business. So if you were a florist, you didn't have another florist. If you were a, you know, manufactured clothing, you wouldn't have that. So you could share ideas and secrets without having, you know, competition there, but, you know, a competitor there. Uh, but it was great because we really got a chance to mentor each other and help each other, um, especially if they're, you know, CEOs or owners of companies, kind of lonely at the top, you know, who do you talk to? Mm -hmm. um, and when I came to Buffalo, I started an Equinox group that, you know, went on for years and years and years. And it was just a group of businesswomen who get together, have dinner once a month, share, share their, uh, uh, you know, good, bad, and experiences, whatever they are, and kind of give some guidance and, and opinions. So those, that, that's kind of mentorship that I think is valuable. And I would encourage all women to try to find a group, an equinox group, 
um, within themselves uh, that they can come together and just support each other, you know. Mm. No, having those groups, those little tribes, yes. so important. Yeah. Have that support and, and move on and, and take their lives to the next level. And because there's so many things that, you know, I think women, they're not sure whether they should try something or they're having a challenge and they're not sure how to maneuver it. And having that women's support is just, it's so invaluable. So I want to talk to you now about, you have the most amazing story. And let's have a little chat about that and how you started out with your hundred dollars and, and took that hundred dollars and made a business and how that all happened. So let's chat about how you, your story and how you took it to the next level with a hundred dollars and what started that. And I'll let you take it away. Well, it's funny, uh, adversity does start a lot of things, mm, doesn't it? I uh, know, and that's basically, um, I was, you know, uh, married for under 20 years uh, uh, in um, Edmonton, Alberta, and uh, my husband, uh, I've been a stay-at-home mom, my kids were like preaching, and um, I had put them through dental school, so I didn't really have a career other than being uh, a teacher uh, and you know 20 years out of the workforce you know I found that I wasn't really no doors were opening for me mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I just uh, so I sent out I mean I was I'm trying to find a job I sent out resumes um, you know no experience I I had to learn how to turn on a computer <laughs> I didn't even know I couldn't turn it on let alone use it um, and so just no qualifications to speak of and um, um, had lost, you know, uh, my husband went through some financial crisis. So lost my house, lost the cars, um, uh, moved into, you know, um, a house that really was, you know, the other side of the tracks, if you want to call it, but, you know, um, no, like bad credit. Um, I had actually, you know, bill collectors coming to my door, you know, knocking on the windows. Um, and, um, uh, you know, the day that was life changing was I, my daughter Veronica was home from school and I made her hide under the table with me from the bill collector to see that I was looking in the windows, you know, and hoping that the thing was, was home. Um, and, you know, just really at a low point in my life, um, you know, even sending out, um, you know, my resume or trying to get interviews, you know, no, there'd be no one to talk to. And I always tell the story was I did get finally one interview. It was for something I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't even qualified for, but I was, I was applying for everything. And, and, but I did get the interview. I figured that was pretty good. And, um, uh, of course, I did not get the job. And, you know, I was, I was saying to people, you know, people ask me for advice and I would say, don't cry during an interview. Doesn't work. <laughs> so, like it was, and I thought, like, why? You know, and I used to pray at night, and I'd say, "Oh Lord, like, you know, you know, if I could only find a job, you know, I, I would have at least have some money coming in." And and uh, um, and because I couldn't find a job, I you know I started cooking and um, making these low-fat muffins. And at that time, you know, low-fat was the thing. 
um, now we know that is okay, but back then um, uh, that was in, you know, we all sort of programmed about eating lower fat products. So I created these muffins that were also low sugar and they did some, some great health benefits unknown to me. Um, and I started peddling them to local coffee shops in, in Alberta and people loved them. And then I started to um, uh, outsource them, like outsource them to a little bakery because I used to get up like at four o'clock in the morning to bake and mm. car and, and realized I couldn't do that for very long because these so these uh, coffee shops didn't want muffins at two o'clock in the afternoon. They wanted them like in the morning. So I had to get them. So I decided to show a little bakery how to make them. And then I went out and started to market. Um, and then I met uh, two lovely ladies in Edmonton um, who uh, we formed a company called Three Blondes and a Brownie. Um, and uh, and uh, just, you know, the, the there, you know, but it was, uh, it was uh, just, you know, trial and error and a lot of disappointment and just not giving up because I knew I had a good product. I just didn't, didn't have the path or avenue for it, but I learned and, and, uh, um, and so, you know, sometimes when, you know, you get so, you get a lot of no's, you know, all you need is one yes to, to get you going, you know, and people give up before that. And, um, and so I was, you know, I was very blessed and, you know, uh, working with two good people and also having, you know, the ability with the, there was a regional McDonald's in Edmonton. Now they don't have regional offices, but they did. And they were rolling up the breakfast program and they were looking for a healthier muffin version and, and I was able to like walk it in there and, and let them try it. And, um, you know, I was thinking, you know, I, I need to write a book because there's a lot of steps. It isn't like this didn't happen overnight. And it isn't like, oh, just here's a recipe and there's McDonald's. And they go, come on in. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll take uh, uh, $20 million or thank you. You know, I mean, there's ramp up and there's finally production that will, you know, the machinery and the equipment and the marketing and everything else that goes with it. So it is a process, but all I, my experience showed it was doable. Um, it happened and, um, and you don't think it's an interesting story at the time because you're like a runner in a race. You've got your head down, you're just running and running and running for the, for the end. But then someone like Oprah hears about it and one of the products I made was uh, low-fat brownies that we were at that time supplying for just subways all across the U.S. and Canada. Um, this was as my business had grown and I had created more uh, products and I ended up, her, her, her staff liked it. Um, so I ended up on the Oprah Winfrey show and then, you know, that really catapulted my business. So, you know, it's these baby steps of doing things and, you know, it's, it's starting from nothing and it's starting with a lot going against you um in my thing lack of experience lack of money lack of confidence because you know when your husband leaves you you know with that you know even though it was a good thing at the end um that he did but you know when they walk up the door you know they, they take your confidence with them you know because they're going for someone younger and prettier you know like and like you you know so you you have to Put yourself together and say i'm great and i can do this and i'm capable and you know and get on that fetal position and um and just take on the world and and i would say if i could do it anyone can because you know i certainly you know wasn't the smartest person out there i mean i had to repeat grade 10 so it wasn't like oh well she was just so smart and she could i mean anybody can do it as long as you have the 
the grit, we call it the grit, to do it and determination, you, you, those obstacles are there. Yes, they are, but you have to power through them and say, I can do it and I will do it and just keep trying and trying and trying. And, uh, and, and that's why one of my favorite books is um, um, Think and Grow Rich uh, by Napoleon Hill. Oh, it was, yes. It was written in the 1920s. And, what I, and I read that book very early on. That was probably just at the beginning of my journey of, you know, what the hell am I going to do with my life? <laughs> like, how am I going to get out of this financial debt? Um, and what I loved about the book was uh, not so much the title, Think and Grow Rich. It was, it was the examples of stories and perseverance in the book that talked about what people went through and how they achieved what they did, you know, against insurmountable odds. And when I read that, I thought, oh, my, if they could do it, I could do it, you know. So I needed to have that, those examples laid out in front of me. So then I knew, okay, I'm unstoppable if I choose to be. And that's what people need. So, you know, I recommend anyone to read that book. It's like published. It's book. I read it. Did you? Yeah. yeah Great. Love. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. And I think to just to, to comment on your, you know, how education versus the grit and the drive that people have. There are so many, if you look at some of the really successful entrepreneurs, they don't have post-secondary education. A lot of them don't. My father had grade 11 education and he went on to do his apprenticeship and he built a business. But you know, there's, you look at, you know, Richard Branson and all these different, um, Warren Buffett. There's so many people that did not go to, you know, or finish their, their, their secondary education and, They've done amazing things, but it's that drive and the grit and women, especially they have that. So it's, that's good that, you you know, that you can do that with, without having that piece of paper. It doesn't, that piece of paper doesn't mean everything. Yeah. And, you know, every, there's, you know, if you, you can think of a whole list of obstacles to success and believe me, you will find, you know, like, oh, I don't have the education and I don't have the money or I don't have, or I don't, you just go on and on and on or, or, you know, or even like um, when I got the McDonald's business, I met the CEO of McDonald's. He said, he said, you have a, you had a better chance of winning the lottery than becoming a supplier to McDonald's. Like that, you know, they, they, those golden arches are closed. <laughs> Vendors. Um, and uh, but you know what it's like that's fine I'm coming in you know um, and you just have you just have you can't always you can't uh, listen to the reasons that you can't you have to just follow the reasons in your vision that you can mm. and I'm a you know and I believe in um, I'm a visionary I see things I, I have to see them or imagine them before they happen and that's a that's a real neat thing to do and I encourage anyone to do that. I do have, and I know it's quick, I do have a vision board. Um, I've always had one and um, I just think it's something that someone should do. I mean, what do you have to lose, right? Mm, I agree. I okay. have one too. Yeah, yeah. Actually, one of my mentors actually said on my business card, you need to put visionary. And I said, what? Uh -huh. Yeah. But it's, yeah. but now, all these years later, I now get it. 
So I, I totally relate to that with you and yeah, vision boards are amazing. So everybody should do one. Whether you okay. think you've accomplished everything, there's still more things that you can always accomplish. Yeah. It's a, I don't know how it works. I wish I understood the logistics of it, but it works. And even to, you know, to meet Oprah, I, when I was going through, you know, uh, the really tough time with it and the, you know, the bill collectors and uh, uh, all the, you know, and the loneliness and all, I mean, all the stuff that was going on in my life. And I, you know, wrote down, I was going to meet Oprah and I put it in my wallet and I walked around with it and I, I did, you know, I mean, like, and I, I, I wrote down, um, actually the day the bill collector came um, uh, and, you know, my baby, I made my daughter hide under the table with me. Um, I wrote down my goals on this, and it was the cardboard of, um, you know, cardboard getting candy goes. Mm -hmm. That's because I had that around and I wrote down my goals and uh, in a year accomplished them, all except one of the, of the goals. So, so you have to, you know, if you don't see the target, how are you going to hit it? So you have to um, um, just put it out there, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even in, in relationships, like, like I was single for 10 years um, after the divorce and I was very busy building the business and um, I wasn't, you know, and I thought, I really, I thought it'd be nice to meet someone, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't meeting the right person. And, um, and of course I was busy with the business. So I mean, totally, um, it would have been nice, you know, it's something nice to have a companion, but you know, so that I was dating things, but it wasn't like the one, you know, and I remember, um, I remember, and I thought, you know, how come with my goals for business, I'm so specific. How about with my goals for personal relationship? I think I need to be specific also because that it works for that too. And anyone who's single, who's listening, I think you gotta listen to this because I speak from experience. And I was leaving through a People magazine and I saw a picture of um, uh, Barbara Streisand. Mm. Mm -hmm. and her husband uh, that she's married to now. And I, I saw a picture of them in Cuba Magazine and the way he was looking at her with such love and admiration, I thought, that's what I'm looking for. I want someone who looks at me with respect and love and admiration, just like he's looking at her. And I ripped it out of the magazine. I put it in my travel bag and went off to the conference in Buffalo, New York. And that is, because I was specific. This is what I'm looking for. This is what I want, put it up to the universe. And I met my husband, Doug, and he is my soulmate. And, and he makes me feel like, like that picture. Wow. So, you know, so people are something so vague. I like to make, meet someone nice or, you know, just who is exactly what you're looking for. That's a great story. Yeah. So. And a lot of truth to it. It's almost like the, it, you have to be specific and what you focus on, you will find. Yeah. Yeah. You really do. So it's whether in business or in personal. Yeah. yeah. No. So it's not always easy to do, but you have to like, say, and, and, but there's, like I say, no harm in doing it. It's not yeah. just going to change anything. You know, it's like not an investment, but just do it. See what the universe does. Mm. And, Amazing. The universe listens. It really does. It really does. 
it does. I've put things out there too, and and things have happened. So it's it's exciting to see that, like this podcast. Which, however, it came to be, it's just you know you put it out there and you think there's some way you have you want to connect, right? And and you just jump and you do it, and it happened. But it's I look at my vision board. I don't have it in front of me right now, but. I look at I looked at it a couple of weeks ago and realized I have to do a new one because I am doing a lot of those things that are on that vision board now and I realized it's the podcast and I had no idea that's where it was going to end up. Wow. wow. So it's that actually kind of blew me away there when I was in my office looking at it. I thought, oh my heavens, this is this is the podcast. So there you go. Yeah, I know it just gives you goosebumps when that happens. Doesn't it does it? give you goosebumps. So now you're the CEO of Holista Foods. Tell us how that's all, how that came about. And you have some amazing products that I can absolutely vouch for. So thank you. Well, I was thinking you know, all roads lead to where you are, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, what I'm doing now is um, uh, probably the most important work that I've ever done. Um, uh, I was in, uh, I'd always worked on healthier products. So I had understand, and, you know, and you have to understand, I grew up above a restaurant, you know, my, I've always been in the food business. I have a love for food. Um, I thought all children put an apron on when they come home from school. I mean, that's just normal. And, um, so I love that. And my mother used to say to me that I have a connection with food. Um, and that was because my other two sisters, you could not find them when it was time to help in the restaurant. <laughs> Where are they? But I was like, they are like, this is so cool. I love doing this. So, so I've always um, uh, loved working with food and especially healthy food because I was overweight um, as a young girl and a teenager because we lived above a restaurant. <laughs> and then we had a grocery store before that with lots of candy. Um, so uh, called benefits of the, of the job. Um, so I was, so I'm, always thought, you know, healthy and delicious, you know, and I loved doing that. And I was doing it for myself and my family. And then um, uh, I was uh, speaking at a food innovation conference in Texas. And um, this doctor came up to me, Dr. Jin from Malaysia, and he gave me his card. And he said, we are, you know, working on uh, helping the world uh, with diabetes, because there's a diabetes tsunami in the world. Mm-hmm. Inverse. And he said, we have a uh, patented, we have discovered this patent blend on how to, um, uh, uh, to make food low glycemic so it doesn't spike people's blood sugar. And as a result, it helps with, with their um, um, insulin you know, resistance and also weight and then heart disease, Alzheimer's. There's so many uh, things that are attributed to, to high glycemic food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was... I thought, wow, that just sounds really amazing. Um, and so I came back and I really spent some time researching and I looked at, you know, the validation. Um, one of the people they were working with was uh, Dr. Jenkins from the GI Lab in Toronto. Dr. Mm-hmm. And the GI Lab in Toronto was doing all the testing of those products. Uh, and Dr. David Jenkins was actually the uh, doctor that coined the phrase low glycemic in the 1980s. Uh, so a pioneer of this, so I taught them. And then they're working with the University of uh, Sydney in Australia. That's where we do some of our testing also. And Oxford University, um, Dr. Jean Brand Miller, all these people that were like 
totally the world experts, health professionals on this. And I thought, wow, this is this, you know, they really, they're really doing something that's not hokey. I mean, this is, you know, this is serious stuff and um, lots of research and uh, validation. So I, I got very interested and they said, well, we have, we just developed this ingredient that um, if you put it into um, unhealthy products, generally it will turn them into healthy products. So because I've always been an R&D person, I took the, that patented blend uh, um, and it's all plant-based, uh, wonderful ingredients, okra, uh, barley, fenugreek, dal, you know, things that are phytonutrients for your body. Uh, we were a dietitian on staff who has really helped me with my messaging of, of what we're doing. And I thought, you know, um, what's our proof of concept? So I, I um, first started working with our plant uh, a relationship I had in Toronto of a production facility. And uh, we were starting the R&D, how do we put it into noodles and spaghetti and linguine? You know, let's start with a white flour based product that is not considered healthy. And, um, and so we were able to develop this and then had it tested at the GI lab in Toronto clinical trial where actually people ate our the pasta, they, they took their blood, you know, under controlled conditions and um, proved it to be low glycemic, uh, index of 38, which is very low. Um, so, so, you know, this to me, uh, and I, what, what I, is really cool about this, you know, the, the parent company is uh, in Australia, it's, it's on Australian stock exchange, it's called Holistic Coltec. Um, and what I think is really cool is they, you know, uh, they have a 70 year old woman as a CEO of the, of the U.S. company. And, you know, today, you know, women, um, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to get into these positions of power. Um, you might have against it if it's not being a woman, it's your age. And I just thought, you know, here, I just want to show women, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're, I mean, Next month I'll be 71, and I'm going like I'm. I, I have a lot of years to go, and just because, um, uh, uh, you know, I am a certain gender or a, um, a certain age, that doesn't mean you know you can't achieve the, the jobs uh, that you're looking for the court on a corporate level also. Um, so this is you know so that again that was something I was very um, uh, I want to show that you know show yes yes hire more women you know. Um, we need them in all kinds of places, you know, because we're really, you know, we're, we're really um, have important goals and we, we want to bring value to people's lives. And how do you do it? Do you do it through these kind of, these kind of platforms? Mm-hmm. Another thing we uh, have now uh, tested uh, again, and it was our white bread that is, uh, been, has, has just two weeks ago shown to be low glycemic, tested at the University of Sydney in Australia. Um, and uh, now that's going to be rolling out very shortly as a white bun uh, for people. So, so um, that is what I'm doing now. And it's, you know, it's funny. I started myself in my kitchen with no, or no, no um, um, real validation other than like, hey, this tastes really good. And it's, like, <laughs> it's low fat. Now we have, and, and it's important today, if you're putting out a, a claim, you know, a health claim, that you have third-party audits, that you have, um, you know, uh, validation for it, and you know, in our case, you know, the FDA uh, looks at what you're selling. In, in Canada, you know, the, uh, the Canadian Food uh, um, Administration they look at what you're selling. Mm-hmm. 
claims you're telling this is going to help people. So that's very important. And I like to see that because it takes, you know, it, it makes everything um, for people uh, transparent. And that's really important if you're selling food and especially you're saying it's going to help you. Okay, are you telling me or what's your validation to it? And that's what's really important. So, uh, so I'm very, I love what we're doing. I'm very excited. I'm very excited about the, uh, the uh, new things we're coming out with. And uh, I think there's a, uh, it's going to fill a great need. And people always say, you know, if you have, you know, because uh, so many people come to me and they say, um, I have this recipe, I have this idea, I have this, you know, family favorite thing, and I want to get it out there. You know, I want to make some money. I want to manufacture it. I want to sell it. I want to, I want to quit my job, which I don't like, and I want to do this because I love this. And, you know, my first thing is, does it fill a need? Mm -hmm. Fill a need, what you're doing, because um, um, does it bring value to people's lives? You know, uh, I think that's really important. And if it does, you can say yes to both those things, then go for it. That's good advice. And I have to say, Nadja, for being 70, you do not even look 50. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank it you. just, you have a body of a 20-year-old. And yeah, you just, you're the epitome of, you're, like, you're just so vibrant and full of life and so healthy that you, you walk the talk. Well, thank you. Well, you make me feel really good. So thank you so much. Uh, but I really uh, believe that it's really important that people um, take care of themselves. Uh, and that is through exercise and that is through eating properly because it really does determine the quality of your aging. You know, and you and I think, you know, what the healthcare systems, the way they are, especially here in the US and then, you know, in Canada, you have a wonderful healthcare system. But, um, but, you know, as you have an aging society and you have more and more people getting older and sicker, uh, it, you know, you know, it's going to take a lot of people to take care of that majority of people. And so um, you have to take care of yourself and not just depend that you're going to, someone's going to, you're going to be taken care of. You have to, you have to stay healthy and, and you can do it by, um, and in my case, you know, I had leukemia. I came back from leukemia and I really think it was because I had good nutrition and I had good basic, basic, um, you know, weight and everything else to go with it. So I could, you know, muster through leukemia and I did, but I really think it's important that people take care of themselves, not only for the visual, but for the inside, your organs and your skin and your body and all that needs to be nourished. You're so right. We are with that we have in common. You're a leukemia survivor. I'm a breast cancer survivor. And nutrition is what got me back on my feet very quickly. I can still remember my doctor asking me when I walked in, like, what are you doing? Like no one, no one bounces back like that from chemo. And so that was a good testament to putting really good things into my body. And, and you're doing such a great thing with, with health and nutrition. And I just actually did a little mini podcast. I don't think it's up yet, but, um, and it was all about, you know, health is your wealth and you have to look after yourself first. Otherwise you can't look after anything else. And, and that's a big problem in North America. If you look at everything supersized and yeah. 
it's mm-hmm. just you cannot even you know being on, away right now and just knowing that you know like food we just cannot be in a food coma oh, you know i mean talk about super i mean you should be here i mean in the states the, the plates are so big you know people i mean the servings are so big um mm-hmm. you know we just we're just it's education. You have to roll all that back. We have to get back to way things used to be yeah. back in the 1950s when our soils were really good. And when we had all these great vegetables in, you know, that grew in the gardens, which now people are do, start starting to now. They're putting their yes. organs organically. Yes. 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 They're called Victory Gardens. And and I think it's awesome and, um, you know, uh, enough empty calories, you know, you know, fillers, you know, that's what people, you, they're doing. And it's really interesting, Jane, when you look at, um, uh, I found um, um, my husband's uh, parents, a china set um, uh, in the cupboard, because when they passed away, we had, you know, like you know, some, a lot of things. And I, and I looked at the, the, the plates and um, I thought the salad, I thought the the dinner uh, the dinner plate was a salad plate, but the the dinner plate was what our salad. I mean, it was a smaller size. And then when I look at plate out of our cupboard, like when you buy dishes now and you order a plate, the dinner plate is really big, and so you get this big plate, and you know you want to fill it because you don't want it to look empty. But really, our dinner plates are too big. And if you look in you know 1950s dinner plates were were a lot smaller and because people ate less, you know, I mean, if you put a platter in front of someone, they're going to think they got to fill the platter. <laughs> just, oh, I know. We, eat I, off, we actually eat off a salad plate. There you go. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Otherwise it, your plate looks empty. It's like, where's the food? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. No, we've, we're, we're trying to hone Brilliant. it. Back, so yeah. That's good. So Nadja, what would you tell your 20 year old self now? I would uh, tell myself not to be afraid of taking risks, you know. Um, I would tell myself um, that it'll all work out. <laughs> I would tell myself that, you know, it's a great adventure. Um, and things might not always go right. But uh, even when things go wrong, it's there's a reason for it. Uh, and you have to trust that. Um, because people, you know, get very into this, you know, oh my God, the world is ending, you know, this is my, you know, this has gone wrong for me, and that's gone wrong for me, and like, and never, you know, why is this happening to me? And I would say, sometimes things happen to you to put you on a path to a place you normally wouldn't go on. Like, for example, when I lost my marriage and my big home and my Mercedes and everything, and it forced me into getting off that path and, you know, making muffins and cooking and trying to find a job. Um, and so sometimes, and if, and if I had found a job, you know, how I was praying every night, oh Lord, please help me find a job. And I was like, resumes for everything and anything under the sun. If I had found a job, I probably wouldn't have done what I did because well, paycheck coming in, okay, I'm gonna be, but there was no paycheck coming in. So it forced me, so sometimes I would tell myself, you know, sometimes when things are going to happen to you in your life, look at it as an opportunity to put you and turn you towards a place that maybe you normally wouldn't go down, but that's where you're supposed to go. 
Mm, That's really good advice. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I would love that I maybe made a difference with um, uh, people in their lives, maybe I'm following some of their dreams, um, uh, made a, you know, uh, contributed more in charity. Um, you know, we do provide our food uh, for shelters and food banks and what have you, being in a position to be able to do that more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I hope, you know, I hope uh, my legacy is I touched some, a few people's lives and maybe made a difference in their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, I know. And for my children to, um, you know, uh, know that. Uh, and know how much I love them and how much I'm, I've been proud of them too. Mm, that's lovely. So where can people find you? You were on Instagram and, and your website and your email. Yeah. Under Nodjapaka, I can send you all those links, you know, to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Um, and, uh, and thank you so much for putting out our Amazon link. Uh, on this, uh, that's great, and people are um, mostly in, mostly, uh, uh, we're in a lot of chains in, in, uh, in the States, Sprouts, Wegmans, uh, it's growing all the time, and then in Canada, there's, um, uh, I know we have some retail in Canada, I should get that information, but it's on our website. Yeah, I'd love to, if you, if you have some, I know I ordered off of Amazon, so if you have any spots up here in Canada, then I would love to put that out there, and I will let my sister know, because she's in the U.S., so I uh, really like that. So thank you so much for sharing your story. I've I've always loved your story, and the more people, like, not everyone has heard it, and now that you have done this with Holistic Foods, it's amazing, and the more people that can try it and and now that you're coming out with white bread that's even even more amazing okay. so here i come <laughs> yeah so thank you thank you thank you so much for sharing your time with us and i know it's added so much value to people's lives and they will they will get so much from it and women can take their their information and soar with it well, thank you, Jane, so much for letting me be on your podcast. And I look forward to the new friends I'm going to make as a result of this. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I'm excited for uh, what's ahead. And maybe Oprah will see this too. All right. I like the way you think. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for listening to Mentors and Mavens, Up Close and Personal. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you feel this was of value to you and would like to share, please take a moment and leave a five-star review. I will be grateful for this. And until the next episode, we rise by lifting others up.